You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning. How are you all this morning? Good. It's really nice to see you all. Um, in light of that announcement, there's a lot of excitement to be had, a lot of sadness and grief, but both of them together make for this great emotional roller coaster that we can all share over the next two months. <laughs> if this is your first Sunday here during this series, let me give you a quick recap. I know Pastor David has done this um, earlier in the service. He kind of mentioned a few of these key words, but we have looked at God showing up in, in kind of a unique way. We're not in any way applying that God is, is not always there with us. We do believe in the God that we sang about, this Emmanuel God with us. He's always with us. He's a God of proximity who is always near to us. But we looked at the story of Adam and Eve and how God shows up in the midst of our brokenness. When we're stuck in sin, when we're the enemies of God, he chose to came, or he chose to come and be there and save us from that. Um, we looked last week at the story of of Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament and how God shows up in the moments of our restlessness when we have these desires and things that we want and we're, we're, we're anxious and we're impatient and we can't figure it all out. Uh, God shows up in those moments in unique ways. And today, um, we're gonna look at a, another story in scripture, another couple, um, and how God showed up in a very unique way. In light of this announcement of us going to Germany, uh, how many of you guys have a bucket list? Like a legitimate bucket list, like things you want to do before you croak or kick the bucket. I, I've had this ever-growing bucket list since, since high school, since the movie The Bucket List came out. I don't know if, I think bucket lists were probably a thing before that, but Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson brought it to life. I've had this growing bucket list, and it's a bunch of really big things, like I want to stay in an ice hotel, right? Does anybody else have that on their list? Nobody? You? Ice hotel. Yeah. It just looks really fascinating to me. Um, when I was a kid, I loved mu- well, I still love music, but I had this live DVD of Queen live at Wembley Stadium. Wembley Stadium is this big soccer stadium in the UK, and I was like, man, bucket list, I'm going to see a concert at Wembley. Like, that would just be so cool to do that. I want to ride a horse. I know that seems like not that lofty because it's pretty attainable, but I've never ridden a horse, so that's on my bucket list. And I've, I've got this list, and it's been growing, and it's been growing, and I've never actually had a practical way of approaching the bucket list. Like Wembley Stadium, sounds great. How am I gonna get to Europe? When am I gonna be over there to to stay in an ice hotel in Norway or Iceland? Well, this job opportunity came for Leah and now I actually, we're making plans to stay in an ice hotel and I'm looking at concert dates for Wembley Stadium. So all these items are gonna become a reality for me. Maybe I'll ride a horse home there. I could do that here somewhere, I'm sure. But this feels, this moment in time for us leading up to making that decision, we had, we had kind of gone through this season of Leah really wanting to travel and me kind of having my foot holding the door shut, like, no, like, we need to be here. But then God really softened my heart, and we came to this moment where I was like, I, I think God wants us to, to at least let him open the door and, and give him a chance to speak, give him a chance to give direction. And we kind of left it up to him and he swung the door open and he paved the way and, and gave us this opportunity that very much feels like a once in a lifetime opportunity. Not only are we going to Europe for like a quick vacation, a once in a lifetime for us, we're gonna get to live there for six to eight months. Apartment paid for, car provided. It seems like a dream scenario. Like a once, like when else are we gonna get to do this? We don't have kids, we don't have pets, we have no debt, we have no house. There's nothing tying us here. This is a huge opportunity for us. 
And I want, I'm, I'm wondering for you, as, as you're thinking about that idea of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, have you ever had one of those? Is there a season you look back and you're like, man, I'm so glad I took that opportunity because I, I don't know if that would have ever happened again. Or maybe you look back and there was an opportunity and you're like, man, I, I missed it. I was scared. I was too nervous to jump on that. I didn't want to respond to that because I was scared. I, there were a lot of unknowns, a lot of questions, a lot of confusion. And today, the story we're going to look at, it's, it's that God shows up in, in very specific moments, and often he shows up in these once-in-a-lifetime type moments. So if you want to turn in your Bible, or if you were following along in our Riverside Community Church app, you can turn to Luke chapter 1. We're going to look at the Gospel of Luke And we're going to start in verse 5. I'm going to pray before we read God's word, and then we're going to see how God's going to show up today. God, we thank you for your word that is living and true, and we believe it. And we believe that these stories we read are not just legends, but that, that what we're reading is, is real accounts of things that have happened. And God, I pray that you would speak through your word as it is read aloud today, that you would speak into our hearts, and that those of us in this room very much needing a divine intervention in, in brokenness and restlessness, or today in our barrenness, God, would you show up, and would you help us to be sensitive to that and be looking for you and only you? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're going to start in verse 5. It says, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abia. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Now that description of their their heritage and who they descended from, that's kind of setting up the authority we should give to them. Um, It's kind of giving us their qualifications to be in the priesthood um, based on their, their lineage. And I love that description of them though that they were observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Like what a cool description to be known for thousands of years later, we can look back at them as being these obedient people. But verse seven, it says, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. And as we saw last week with Abraham and Sarah, God is not beyond helping those who are very, very old in the Bible to end up having children. Um, But they're, they're, they're without child. They're not able to conceive. And in this moment, I, uh, Pastor David shared with me this devotion that was on this scripture. And it was going through this idea. And one phrase just landed on me very differently. It said, often in our prayers, we have our eyes focused on an answer. We have our eyes focused on what we want. We have our eyes focused on the solution. And it fits in this nice little box. But we're not keeping our eyes focused on God. We're not keeping our eyes focused on him. We're distracted by what we want and how it looks for us, but we're not focused on the person of God. And so today, when I think of Zechariah and Elizabeth, I'm confident that they were keeping their eyes on him and not on an answer. Because even in the midst of them not being able to conceive a child, and they were both very old, I'm sure feeling at that point hopeless, this is never going to happen for us. They might still want it. They're still praying for that, but they're observing his commands blamelessly and faithfully. So keep your eyes on him, not on an answer. Despite their barrenness, despite your barrenness, despite your brokenness, despite the things that you want and you're desiring and you're praying for and you're asking God for, don't stop asking him, but keep your eyes focused on him, not on the answer. Because as we're gonna see as this unfolds, sometimes God's answer is exactly what we want 
and exactly what we're praying for. And sometimes the, the answer we get from God is totally not what we were praying for. But somehow he has a way of always providing what we need, maybe if it's not exactly what we want. And as I was thinking about this um, in math, I was always a math kid, like I love math. Math just like makes sense to me. Two plus two is always four. You know, it's not that like I before E except after C and sometimes that's still even wrong. Math just like clicks. But even in math, when you know the answer, what do you have to do to get the grade? You have to show the work. You can't solely be focused on the answer. You've got to be cognizant and aware of the process of how it unfolds. Otherwise, you're not going to get the points. Even on the test, you write down the correct answer. If you didn't show your little ladder or your fence or your lattice, I don't know what it is, some type of structure. Math was different when I was younger. (laughs) But we show our work and we look for work. And when we're focused on the person of God, when we're focused on the person of Jesus, we see the process. We see the work. We see each step along the way. And we're not solely focused on the answer because maybe God has a different answer. God is in the business of seeking out the broken, the restless, the seeking, the struggling, the young and the old. When I look at a room like this, every single Sunday, I love, especially when the kids are in here, I love seeing the really, really little ones that can't even support their own head weight yet. And the, and the really old ones that are struggling to support their head weight now too. Just kidding. I, I hope nobody took offense to that. Sometimes I have jokes that come to me in the moment. I think it's going to be really funny. And then as it comes out, I'm like, that's really offensive. <laughs> Forgive me. Let's continue in the scripture. Keep your eyes on God, not on an answer. Verse eight. Once when Zechariah's division, his division of the priesthood was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot, which is basically this system uh, similar to like drawing straws. It, it's, it's a system of chance. There's no, that way there's no like favoritism. There's no specific things. It's you're in the priesthood. They're chosen by lot. Um, according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So the Jewish law divided these priests into these different factions or divisions, numbering somewhere around 18,000. So a lot of divisions of these priests, and they would go systematically through this process according to the customs, um, and they, they, would, they would draw lots. They would cast lots to see who would be the one to go in. And each division served in the temple for once, for, for one week, twice per year. So that's 14 days out of the year that it's, or, yeah, one week, twice a year, determined by the casting of lots. And the most privileged place of service within this, the most privileged lot to be cast in these moments was burning incense in the holy place. For the average priest, the one out of 18,000, burning incense in the temple of the Lord happened once. Maybe once, possibly twice, typically just once, would you have the opportunity to burn incense in the holy place? So this literally was Zechariah's once in a lifetime. Him going into the temple, serving this specific function of worship, it's his once in a lifetime. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. And this makes me laugh because of all the places to experience an angel of the Lord, at the temple, the Lord is like the most expected place you would think. Like, yeah, this is exactly where I should find an angel of the Lord. Like in the holy place, at the temple, at the altar, while burning incense. And he's startled. Like, yeah, any other time, it's super frightening to see an angel of the Lord. But you're in, you're in the house of God. Of course you should expect this. 
And the angel says what they always say in scripture, do not be afraid. These angels don't get it, do they? We're always afraid when you show up. Stop telling us to not be afraid. Embrace our fear. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. And what a nice like, word of comfort that must have been to him. Thinking of Zechariah and Elizabeth's situation with their barrenness, unable to conceive, being very old, but also thinking at this time what the people would have been praying for, what the priesthood corporately would have been praying for. Zechariah's personal prayer may have very much been, God, would you give us a child? We want a child. We want to be parents. I know we're very old. I know this doesn't make sense. I know physically we're unable to conceive, but God, would you give us a child? Was probably his personal prayer. His corporate prayer was, would you send us the Messiah? Would you send us this light that should be coming in the darkness that we've heard about, that we've read about, that we've been praying for in the midst of this horrible political situation that they were in, all of the oppression and the persecution? God, would you send us Jesus? So he's got these two prayers. So when you hear your prayer has been heard, which one? I'm excited about either option, but which one? The angel says, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. That one, that prayer. He will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. What an awesome forecast for what your child's going to be. They've waited so long to be able to conceive. The answer to their prayer is, John will come. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of their parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. How many of you guys, upon the announcement of a pregnancy, received a description of your child like that? I'm watching for any liars. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. He's been praying for a child. They don't want some kind of child that's gonna come and do this big, huge thing. They just wanna have a kid. They wanna, they wanna be able to raise a child and share their love and all that they've learned with, with a, a small little human. And this angel says, oh, I'm not just giving you a baby. This baby's gonna do something. This baby's got some power. This baby's gonna be filled with this Holy Spirit. And this is one of those moments where I'm reminded that as we keep our eyes on him, not focused on an answer, God will often answer and respond in a way that is bigger and greater than anything we can ask or imagine. Our God is a very big God, a God that our small little plans and our small little requests, sometimes he's like, you're praying too small. You're praying too safe. I've got big, bold plans for you and I can't wait to unfold them and show them to you. And that happens when we keep our eyes on him for more than we can ask or imagine. Ephesians 3.20 says, now to him, as, he's, as Paul's writing this prayer for that church, he says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And it's in these moments that when we're focused on the answer, we don't see the more than we can ask or imagine because we're only focused on what our little brains can ask or imagine. But when we're focused on him, our vision becomes wider and broader and we see all of the work of God. We get to see the way that he answers in different ways than we expected. God shows up to show us his plans and show us that he's got greater and bigger things in store. 
Zechariah was praying for a child. And then he was praying for this Messiah, as all the priests were. He had no idea that when the angel said, your prayer has been answered, your prayer has been heard, it would be giving him a child that would prepare the way for the Messiah. His prayers became intertwined somehow, and the answer was leading towards both shedding light on the dark spaces in both of those prayers. Keep your eyes on him for more than you can ask or imagine. And I don't want us to walk away from reading this story thinking that God's answer is always yes. That every time an angel appears to you or every time you feel a confirmation from God that your prayer has been heard, the answer may not always be what you want, but that does not mean that your prayers are not heard. If you are praying for a child and God does not bring you a child, it does not mean that God is not listening to your prayers. It might mean that his response is just different, bigger in some way than we can ask or imagine. And I know that might feel like a discouragement to some of you and some of the prayers you've been praying. Maybe you've been praying for a family member. You're like, can they get it? I want them to get it. I want them to find Christ. Maybe you're praying for a job opportunity because the one you're in, just it's hard. And you've got a lot of evil stuff going on at work that's tearing you away from God. And you've got these temptations that are drawing you away from the person that you want to be. Maybe you've been praying for, for a spouse. Maybe you're single and you're, you're restless you're like, God, I just, I just want a, an awesome godly husband or God, bring me a beautiful wife that loves the Lord that I, can, that I can serve you with. Take your focus off of the answer. Shift it to the person. Look God in the face. Keep your eyes locked on his. And I know it's hard. I don't want to sit here and talk like it's, like it's something. I, I've not gone through a huge life difficult situation where I can say I've been there. I know what it's like to have these wants and desires and God not answer them but I know that the God that I serve is a God of big prayer answers. And it's not yes all the time. It's not no all the time. It's not maybe. Sometimes it's grow. Sometimes it's wait. Sometimes it's just keep praying, be steadfast. Think of how long Zechariah and Elizabeth had been praying to have a child. It wasn't just when they turned 90 that they decided we want to have a kid. They've been praying this for decades. But they were faithfully and obediently serving the Lord and following his commands. Keep your eyes on him. I know it's hard. So Zechariah, in this moment, turns to the angel and he asks the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. That was a very nice way of him to not say, my wife's old too. <laughs> I'm very old and wrinkly and she is well seasoned. <laughs> nice job, Zechariah. Good save in front of the angel in the temple. I also wonder how can he stand there and be like, how can I be sure of this? I'm praying in the temple, I'm burning incense, and an angel appears. I don't know, this feels, this is dicey. <laughs> this has never happened in the history of scripture. I've never seen an angel appear there before. This is not what I expected. You're in the house of God, man, come on. The angel responds, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news, and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the, this day happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. So even in the midst of the presence of an angel of the Lord, Zechariah was like, I don't know if I can believe this. And I think in our prayer life, there are often times where we see the answer, we hear the answer, but we struggle to believe. 
and that's okay. There's this awesome moment in Jesus' ministry where he goes to heal this demon-possessed boy and the, the father says, I believe, but will you help my unbelief? So even in the midst of believing in Jesus, believing in God, believing in his sovereignty, his power, and his plan, sometimes we still struggle. But in that moment, keep your eyes on him, even when you're struggling to believe. As I was looking over those words, preparing for today, I was thinking about this moment when you're teaching your kid how to swim. Have any of you guys taught a child how to swim? Maybe not your child, but a child. And you're, one of the way, well, maybe this is the wrong technique. I might learn something about parenting here. I'm not a parent, by the way, so this was never my kid that I did this with. First step was just throw them in, right? You gotta let them like flounder a little bit, feel what it feels like to inhale a little bit of water. You pull them out, you save them. You don't leave them in there, I get it. Throw them in a little bit, scare them a little bit, but there's, uh, you know the classical, you stand in the water and they're, they're on the edge and you're like, come on, just jump. They're like, they've got like four floaties on each arm, a life vest, this like inflatable helmet. They're like, I don't know. And you just, you sit there, you're like, just look at me. Just keep your eyes, don't look at the water. Don't look at, don't look at them. Just look at me. Don't look at the bottom of the pool, look at me. And when you want them to jump in, you're like, don't look at anything else. Don't look at where you're gonna land. Don't look at other people watching you. Don't look at the ground you're on. Look into my eyes. And somehow that brings this like strength. It brings this courage in that moment. It's like when your eyes are locked in, I'm gonna catch you. Don't worry about it. And even in that moment, the kid, they're like, Ugh. they hold their nose. They'll jump and they'll reach. I hope you catch them. Because in that moment, could scar them for life if you miss. But God doesn't miss. He says, keep your eyes focused on me. I know it's hard to believe sometimes. Even when I appear to you in the presence of an angel at the temple of the Lord while you're burning incense at your once in a lifetime moment, even when you struggle to believe in that moment that seems like such a surefire moment of strength and belief, God still wants to provide the strength to encourage you and bring you through that unbelief. Zechariah, described as being righteous in God's sight, observing the decrees faithfully and blamelessly, still is allowed to have this moment of struggle. Don't feel like you need to have it all together all the time. When it's hard and it doesn't make sense, but don't wallow in that unbelief on your own. Take that to God. Ask him questions. Tell him, I believe in you. I'm having a hard time believing in this moment. Will you help me? Don't look at the water. Don't look at the bottom of the pool. Don't look left or right. Look at him. Keep your eyes locked on him. Meanwhile, all the people, the, the worshipers were outside of the temple. They're just waiting for Zechariah, wondering why he has taken so long in the temple. It was an uncharacteristically long amount of time. And when he came out, he could not speak to them because the angel told him, now you will be silent and not able to speak until this day happens. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. So he's trying to communicate to them what he had just witnessed. But in that moment, I bet he's having a little bit of a hard time wrapping that up, not being able to speak. But they can tell something amazing had happened. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, just as the angel had said. 
and for five months she remained in seclusion. The Lord had done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown me favor, or he's shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Skipping ahead just a little bit to verse 57. I'll give you just a minute to scroll or flip. Verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. Which this is kind of a cool like icing on the cake moment. That through our faithfulness, through our obedience, through, through being blameless and following God's commands, through keeping our eyes on him, other people will celebrate with us. They will celebrate God's bigger than you can ask or imagine moments. They'll celebrate you overcoming your unbelief. They'll celebrate those answers to prayer with you with great joy. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, as was according to the customs, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be named John. We will name him John. He's to be called John. And they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Didn't make sense to call him John. Where was she getting this name John from? It's not even in your family tree. Then they made uh, signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. So they're, they're trying to communicate to John like. That's where Sammy Sosa got it. Right here. He asked for a writing tablet and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. So he was in agreement with Elizabeth. His name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free because the angel said, you just will not be able to speak until this day happens. So here is this day. His mouth is open, tongue is free, and he began to speak praising God. So his first words after this whole ordeal of not being able to speak for nine months and eight days, he is praising God with his lips. That's just awesome. All the neighbors were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Seeing this response and reaction and the sphere of influence go so much bigger than Zechariah and Elizabeth. All these other people were drawn into worship. They were drawn into these moments of praising God with awe and wonder. Keep your eyes on him so others will be drawn to him. When our eyes are focused on God and not on the answer, we see his plans unfold, bigger, different, more extravagant, more difficult sometimes than we could ask or imagine. And when it's hard to believe it, he wants to carry us through it because ultimately he wants to use that answer to prayer to draw all of the people around us into awe and wonder. So keep your eyes locked in on him in your brokenness, in your restlessness, and this week as we focus in on in your barrenness, keep your eyes on him so others will be drawn to him. In all circumstances, I, I want it to be said about my life someday that in the most difficult moments, I had my eyes fixed on God and it drew other people into wonder. It drew other people into awe and they started asking questions. It doesn't mean they immediately believe in God, but they start asking questions and that is so huge. For people to see you in your moments of struggle, focused on Jesus, they'll start to ask questions. They'll start to wonder where you derive your strength. Where are you getting this endurance 
to push through whenever you've been praying for a child and you don't have a child and you've been praying for a spouse and God has not set that up for you when you've been praying for a job, a new job or any job at all and nothing has happened for you. When you're praying for purpose and you feel directionless, when your eyes are focused on him, it is a life testimony that draws other people to ask, how do they still have peace and joy in the midst of all of this? There are a lot of people I know that have these kind of prayers and they inspire me because I know there's no shortage of tear flow. There's no shortage of prayers and anguish and bruised knees from laying it down at the feet of Jesus. God, give us a child, give us a job, give us an opportunity. But I know that they're fixed on the person of Jesus. And that draws me into awe and wonder and asking really big questions about God. The thing today to summarize everything we've talked about so far is to keep your eyes on him and he will make a way. It may not always be the way that we want. It may not be the way we desire or the way we think we can handle it, but he will make a way. So cool in this moment that his answer to Zechariah's and Elizabeth's personal prayer for a child was not only making a way for them, his answer to their prayer was yes in this moment, but it was making a way for the Messiah. John would be the one to prepare ultimately the way. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life all stem from this moment. And it was Zechariah and Elizabeth faithfully, blamelessly keeping their eyes on Jesus, obeying his commands. In your time of barrenness, God has a plan. In your season of waiting, God has an answer. In your moments of unbelief, God wants to reassure you. And in your moments of praising him, God wants to draw others near to him. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come up and assist us in leading into a time of response. And I want everyone in the room to take a minute and close your eyes. What is your prayer? What is your personal prayer that had you been in Zechariah's shoes, given this once in a lifetime opportunity to burn incense in the temple, a great responsibility, an honorable way of service to God? What would have been your prayer at the altar? The awesome thing about today is that through Jesus, we are all the priesthood of believers. We all can approach the altar with confidence. So whatever that prayer is on your heart today, you can bring that to him. Have the big ask. Give him your big requests. Lay out your plans and desires before him. But at the end of that, ended the way that Jesus did. When he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane on his way to the cross, in his moment of anguish, he went to God and he said, God, if there is any way besides this, if there is any path different than the one that I'm about to walk on, if I do not have to drink from this cup, God, would you make a way? But ultimately, Father, your will be done. God wants to hear your prayers. 
He wants to know where you're feeling barren. He wants to know where your requests are unmet, where your prayers feel unanswered, where your desires are not met. But he wants you to have the confidence and assurance to keep your eyes focused on him and say, God, I I want these things, but more than them, I want you and I want your plan. And if the answer to my prayer is no, I am going to praise you. If the answer to my prayer is wait, I'm gonna be patient. If the answer to my prayer is yes, God, I'm going to praise you just the same. God, maybe the answer to my prayer is grow. That I'm not yet ready to handle the next step of this journey. That there's some growth you want to see in me. God, if that's our response today, would you help us to grow? Show us the steps we need to take. Help us to show the work as we lead up towards your answer. I'm gonna pray, and as I do, you can pray along with me. You can pray on your own. Whatever your prayers are, lift them up to God. He's listening. He wants to hear them. God, I'm thankful for Jesus. We are all thankful for Jesus. Thankful that in his moment of anguish, he prayed for another way. But he said, if this is the cup I must drink, then then your will be done, Father. I'm thankful for his obedience in that moment. That he followed through, that he went to the cross because we stand here today able to serve you, able to have relationship with you. Able to have this confidence in your plan because of Christ on the cross, because of Jesus resurrected from the grave. Thank you for Zechariah and Elizabeth's faithfulness and their obedience and their blameless service to you even when it was hard, when their prayers felt unanswered, when they struggled to believe. Thank you for the example they set for us today. That it's hard. It's hard to believe. There are a lot of people and things and ideas that draw us away from believing in who you are. God, help our unbelief. Jesus, I pray for this church. I pray that we would keep our eyes focused on you. In our moments of brokenness, because we all have them. In our moments of impatience and restlessness and anxiety. And in our moments of barrenness, where we feel like something's missing, where something's not happening where progress is is halted. Holy Spirit, would you shift our eyes from whatever response, whatever solution, whatever answer, whatever fix we think we need. Would you shift our eyes to Jesus? Shift our eyes to the person of God? 
God, I'm thankful that we serve a God that answers prayers. And the answer may not always be yes, but you are a God that answers prayers. And God, would you help us to be strong, to be aware? Help us have a fresh sense of your spirit today. And just like Zechariah and Elizabeth, give us this perseverance to endure and serve you blamelessly, not only for us, but for you. And so others will be drawn into awe and wonder. In Jesus' powerful name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.